We're going to turn in the Word of God to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. And we're also going to read from Hebrews chapter 9. And I would encourage you as well to, to participate in praise and worship and in the altar today as they were singing about the altar. Come to this altar. Come to this area. Because things happen when you step out by faith into the presence of God and lift your hands. You know, if you want the presence of God, the Bible says in Psalm 22, verse 3, that God inhabits the praises of his people. Or literally, God's geographical location, his address is found on the corner of Praise and Worship Boulevard. If you want to know where God is living and dwelling, it is wherever there are people praising and worshiping and you can help God find something he's looking for in the book of John chapter 4 verse 23 and 24 says the hour is coming and now is where God is looking for true worshipers and we're here to worship Jesus in spirit and in truth I want him to find true worshipers amen and the reason why we worship is because we want to find the presence of God in Psalm 16 verse 11 says that in his presence is fullness of joy at his right hand there is pleasure forevermore if you're here and you're depressed you're going through a tough time anxiety you're diagnosed as a depressed individual you need to be found praising God because his presence is found in praise and in his presence is fullness of joy or in the book of Corinthians three seventeen says that wherever the spirit of the Lord is which we know is found in praise that's where he inhabits and lives and dwells the Bible says there is liberty and if you are here and you're a addicted to drugs you're addicted to alcohol you're addicted to pornography you have anger problems in the presence of God where praise and worship is at you have the opportunity to be liberated and set free from whatever you're going through right now someone say, shout hallelujah amen amen it has been my privilege and honor to be here this weekend and I do feel a little embarrassed being here your pastor's got that really awesome cool raspy deep voice then I come up to the pulpit, I'm a real boy. <laughs> Book of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 18. Now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. There is a place where remission is. Backing up one chapter 9 in verse 22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. There is a place where remission is. There is a place where there's no remission. The word remission is more of an intense word of forgiveness. You know, like when you read Say in the NIV in Acts 2.38, it says, you know, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins in the King James. And the NIV would say for the forgiveness of sins, which both have very strong indication as to why we place such strong emphasis on baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. But remission is a more intense word to send off, to lay aside, to forsake, to remove, to wash away. It is an emphatic pardon of freedom there is a place of remission there is a place where there is no remission and I want to preach with the help of the Lord for the next couple moments where no remission is let's ask God to talk to us Jesus I thank you for bringing us here I thank you that we've been gathered in this house, and I do not believe it is coincidence. I don't believe it's happenstance. I do not believe it is accident, God, but I believe this is a divinely appointed and divinely orchestrated moment, Lord, sent by you, and I pray you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, and somebody say, in Jesus' name, where no remission is. I, I was feeling, wrestling with this thought of to preach about it, and uh, I, I was talking myself out of it because I, I know two years ago I, I did allude to this subject. Um, I believe it was at the senior camp in Illinois a, a couple of years ago. So I'm like, well, there's probably some folks that have heard this. But as I was praying, I mean, it was just on my heart. And then as they were singing here about, you know, forgiveness, I was like, all right, God, I think I'll, 
think I'll obey the Holy Ghost. I think I'll listen to you, Jesus. So that's always a good thing, eh? <laughs> I, want, I want to read an excerpt from an article by a man named Eric Schmidt. Anyone know who Eric Schmidt is? Anyone ever heard of Google? That's, that's Eric Schmidt. Okay, that's, that's the dude who made the whole thing, all right? So now anyone ever heard of Google? Okay, this is who we're talking about. So this man, who is not, not, not a, a believer, not into the ways of the Word of God, this is his observation and something he penned in an interview. And he says this, It must be peculiar for children of the Internet age. They are the first to have a complete record of their whole lives. They are the first who will be able to offer concrete proof of every one of their days, friends, and actions. Eric Schmidt worries, however, that they'll be the first who will never be allowed to forget their mistakes. He said, there are situations in life that it's better that they don't exist. Especially if there is stuff you did when you were a teenager. But you see, teenagers are now in an adult world online. Some days you could hardly describe most of what happens online as adult. Still, Eric Schmidt says he believes the online world has gone too far in forcing teens to never forget. He goes on to say, in bygone times, they were punished, but allowed to grow beyond their youthful indiscretions. It's true that, as Schmidt said in his speech, people are now sharing too much, or what we would say is TMI. Anyone ever see a TMI post? And here's one example Eric Schmidt gave. He gave the example of future parents posting ultrasounds of their own unborn babies. Now, if you're here and you've done that, that's your prerogative. But this is just his opinion. He's just saying, I don't need to see the inside of a woman's womb. But part, in, but part of the problem, he says, that teens might encounter in the future comes not from their having made supposed mistakes, it's from those who might choose to judge them for their supposed mistakes. As ever in life, the opinions of others, especially in the sheep pen that is called the web, can be the most mistaken and most damaging distortion of all. Talking about where no remission is. In bygone times, you know, I'm 32. You know, I'm not young. I'm not old. I'm, you know, just kind of floating around a little bit. But I, I'm, I'm on my way to get old and crunchy one day. It'll happen. And uh, so I don't have much going for me. I'm short. And in my family, balding happens. So I got to just fight from getting fat. And that's about the only thing I got going for me. So I'm trying to enjoy my little shark fin haircut as long as possible. But I know the day will come. It's all going to pass away. The grass withers, the flower fades. Um, but my hair will not endure forever. And if you don't know that, you'll meet my brother sometime. If you've never met David Brown, you'll see where I'm going to end up, just like my father before me. But in bygone times, you know, I, uh, I, had, a, I had a drug problem. I was drugged to church. I was drugged to camp. I was drugged to convention. I was forced to be at church events. And uh, I, I never had a heart for God. I never pursued God. I never was interested. But my parents would make me go to uh, like camp. And I remember when we go to camp, the Illinois campgrounds, that uh, one of the things back in the day was disposable cameras. Does, does anyone know what a disposable camera is? Okay. Now, they were like the bomb.com back in the day. Now, you all young whippersnappers, you don't know anything about the glory days of having a disposable camera. You would go to Walgreens and buy this disposable camera and, and this little piece of uh, rectangular cardboard with a pretend lens that doesn't do nothing really other than you're just looking through the scope of that picture and you would you would wind this little plastic wheel and then if you really you know were you know had a lot of money I even had a flash on your disposable camera and you hold a button down and it would and it was like letting you know it's ready to flash and take a picture and you know 
we, we would try to do selfies back then. And you extend, it's hard when, when your arms are the length of T-Rex, you know, when you're my size. You, you know, to do a selfie like that, you can't even get your nostril in the picture. But we would do everything we can. we find the guy with the longest arms of the room, and he'd hold it back, and he, he'd take that picture. And, and here's the deal. On that disposable camera, you did not see the outcome of that picture. You would actually have to wait to the end of camp. More than likely, the weekend when you got back, you weren't going to even develop the picture. You'd have to go to a store to let them develop that photo. And if you were lucky enough, you did a semi-okay job of your selfie. But more than times, eight times out of ten, your selfie is a messy. It, it, it's, it's out of focus. It's off-center. It doesn't look good. You're the one cut out of the picture, so you can't even claim that you were there. It was a frustrating time. It was times of tribulation and persecution in our days with these things called disposable cameras. And that is the way we used to. Now, you know, you have your cell phone. You can instantly take that picture. And at that singular moment, it goes on. They even have cameras where that camera has a Wi-Fi connection. And when you take the picture with that digital camera, it automatically goes to your Instagram account. It automatically goes to your Facebook. It's, it's an incredible world that we are living in. The, the, um, another fond memory of mine, or maybe not so fond memory, I suppose, is I, I, there's a video um, back in the day. Our family, we had you know, a VCR recorder. And there, it was pretty intense. You know, now you just hold your phone and you record video. But back then, you had to put a bazooka on your shoulder. And you had to capture the moment. But, like, technology progressed, and, and, and pretty soon it was about the size of a cereal box instead of a bazooka. And so we had, like, a cereal box-sized camera. And uh, we would record all this different stuff. And, again, remember, any story I'm sharing that sounds shady, it's not because I was serving God at the time. And this would be one of these stories. And so I, I, I went on a trip with uh, a friend to Panama City, uh, Florida Beach. It was not to pass out tracks. It wasn't to serve the Lord. It was to visit the mile-long stretch uh, uh, strip of just a party club, a party city. And so we took our camera there, and, and my friend and I, we went clubbing. We went to have fun and all that kind of stuff, what we thought was fun. And uh, we met up with a group of girls, and we were going to go party with them that evening. Long story short, a storm front moves in, and, um, and I got pretty excited because, you know, I never seen waves that size before. It's the first time I've, I've been around that area, and, and the waves are monstrous. And so my friend and I, you know, as the storm front is moving in, we run out and, you know, fight the waves, and the waves would knock us down, and the toe would suck us under, and we're getting all, uh, you know, churned in the seaweed and rock and sand. Has anyone ever fought waves before, or am I the only... Okay, all right, I'm not the only one. All right, but it, it, was, it was a fun thing. And so we're, we're beating, smashing in the storm. We're almost getting drowned, all this kind of stuff. We're having a blast. And then we, we just know it's late. We got to go to meet up with the, our new friends. And so I'm getting out of the water, ready to go. And I look over. My friend is panically, frantically looking in the water. And I go, hey, bro, what are you doing? And he said, I lost my glasses. Who wears their glasses? In the ocean, in a storm. My friend, I suppose. And so he's like, you got to help me find my glasses. My parents are going to beat me. And they really would. It was just that kind of home. And so he, he's flipping out. He's like, they're going to beat me if I, if I lose my glasses. And I'm like, bro, they're gone. There ain't no way we're going to find them. He's like, you got to help me. you got to help me. And so I'm like, all right. So I get my snorkeling goggles on. And I go in the water, and I'm getting, you know, pushed around by the waves crashing on me, and I'm getting hit with seaweed and rocks, and we're not going to find his glasses. And so I, I try, I go, we got to go, we got to meet up with our friends, come on. He's like, no, you got to help me find them. And, and I feel bad for the dude, because I know he's in for it. And so I grab my goggles, I put them on, and I look up to heaven, I say, God, if you help me find my friend's glasses... I won't go out partying. I won't do anything with these girls. I'll, I'll go back to my room, and that will be the end of this trip. I put the goggles on. I, I go underwater. The wave crashes the moment I get under, and the glasses smack me in the goggles, land in my hand, 
God is my witness. I promise you. I stand out of the water and I'm just, I'm shaking. And I walk away from the water and I'm on the shoreline of the beach just staring at these glasses while my friend's still looking for them. I'm like, what just happened? And my friend, as he's still looking, he finally gives up. He turns, he goes, what are you doing? I, I found your glasses. Well, that's great. And I'm like, yeah. And I hand it to him. I go back to my room, and I make an altar, and I get right with God. Now, that, that story may sound silly to you, but it was real to me, and it happened. And I found a place of repentance. I found a place of forgiveness, and we didn't go out and do any of those things the rest of that trip. And we went right back home. Now, I got home, and I, I, I'm wanting to, you know, keep my commitment, honor my commitment to God because I'm kind of blown away by the whole moment. And as I get home, I'm, I'm, I'm doing right, I'm doing just, I'm doing pure things and all that. And one day as I'm in my room, I hear a knock. Mijo! That's my mom. She, she's, she's from Tijuana, and, and that's what she always called me was Mijo, my son. And I'm like, come in, Mom. She's like, tengo problema contigo. I got a problem with you, son. I'm like, what? And she's like, tengo salsa in mi sangre. And I knew when I'm in for a whooping. I, I know when I'm about to do the sombrero dance. I know it. And she holds up the camera. And I knew. Because there was some footage before I found those glasses. I made right with God. God forgave me, and God removed my sins. But there's some place there's no remission. And my mom found an archive of my past. You know, it sounds kind of silly, but there, we're living in a world, this, this whole presidential election that just happened, it was, it was an attempt by both sides to find a place where there was no remission. They went for their past to try to tear down their present. Now, I'm not here to fuss and cuss which party is pure, impure, immoral, immoral. I'm not, I'm not here to say anything about that. All I'm saying is we live in a completely different world where the things we can find, the dirt under someone's rug, the skeletons in someone's closet, is unlike any generation ever before the access to your youthful indiscretions and the access to your past sins is unlike any age we've ever lived in somebody say amen if you understand what i'm saying see nothing is ever gone we think we think we can remove our mistakes. You can delete your post off of Facebook. You can delete your post off of Twitter. You can, you can, you know, download Snapchat and you, you post some sort of video that you know was racy, provocative, immoral, or a little controversial, but it disappears. But I'm here to let you know they're still there. They're still there. The people who thought Snapchat, all that stuff, they have archives of all of it. All of it. Is still there. There was a, a moment when uh, Apple did a um, an update to their iOS program uh, software, and I can't remember which one it was. This was maybe five years ago or so. And uh, and, and anyone know what Apple is? iTunes. Okay, a couple people. All right, not sure how Salem rolls. So uh, I'm just kidding. Um, Anyways, I, I remember I went to go look for my songs after I got the update to play some things on iTunes. And I'm scrolling up, and all of a sudden, like, I, I'm seeing, like, artists. And I, I'm seeing what's uh, Skittles or Eminem or whatever his name is. And, and, like, music I haven't listened to in a long time. I haven't downloaded in a long time. I'm like, what in the world? And then as I found out about the update, everything you've ever listened to and downloaded Apple iTunes has an archive of all of it. 
See, my, my music taste has changed since I started living for God. Me personally, you do whatever you want to do, but I just don't listen to it if it's not Christian. That's me. I just, I want, I want pure things, edifying things, godly things, going through my ears, things that support morals and things like that. That's just me personally, according to God's word, is where I find it. And so that's what I do. And so all of a sudden I'm seeing all these past downloads, and I'm like, wow, that's, that's crazy. That's different. That, that's weird. But this is the world we are currently living in. I was just talking to the youth class a moment ago. And I was telling them about a book, and I'm not recommending you get it unless pastor says it's a, a, a good thing to do. I, I would never have read this book until my wife told me to read it because it's more of like a chick book. And uh, chick is a fancy word, a word for girl. And um, anyways, I, uh, she made me read it. It was a biography about a, a lady named Kylie uh, Brusuti, Brusetti, I don't, I don't know how to say her last name, but it's, it, it's her biography called I'm No Angel. And this girl's lifelong goal was to become a Victoria's Secret model. And she finally became a Victoria's Secret model. And the, the unique thing in the, the, in the story is as she's becoming this Victoria's Secret model, she becomes a Christian. And the, 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 the premise of the book has to do with, you know, how she... You know, God started dealing with her about modesty. It's, it's a fascinating read. And um, anyways, so she's got this, this tug of war going on. But she's supposed to be the most beautiful girl that Victoria's Secret Model Agency found that year. And so this most beautiful girl that's about to do her first catwalk of 30 seconds, so they present the most beautiful woman of Victoria's Secret that year, she has to sit in a chair for eight hours as they rip her hair out, change colors, rip her eyebrows, her eyelashes off, spray tan her whole body a different pigment and color. And now she is beautiful enough. It is a fascinating read. And I, if your pastor's cool with it and all that, I, I, or parents, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing if you have a chance to read it. And uh, anyways, but here's one of the excerpts from this book. As she becomes a Christian and she feels conviction about the immodesty she is portraying and the bad role model that she is being for younger girls that deal with insecurity and inferiority complex, when she realizes what she is is not even real, she pulls away from that world. And as she pulls away from that world, all of a sudden, as she's trying to be a Christian and she's sharing her testimony with people, something begins to happen. People start looking her up on Google because they, they're interested and curious about this person. And every time they would Google her, they would find archives, past pictures, youthful indiscretions. She was, I'm not going to tell you all the things and how she posed, but just say it's not the most modest thing you're ever going to find. And she was so shamed and embarrassed by that because she is now trying to be a pure, modest Christian. But every time someone hears her story and looks her up, so she went to court, went to lawyers, did everything she could to remove every digital image of her that is out there in this world where people are getting their pleasure off of an immodest image, but she cannot do it. See, this world is alluring, it is inviting, it is engaging. It does such a great job at trying to pull you in saying, this is a safe place, this is a fun place. Forget church, it's nothing but bondage and Pharisee and legalism and telling you how to be. Come to the world where it's free and you can be what you want and act as you want and do what you want and live as you want. There's no limits, there's no restrictions, there's no boundaries. Have fun, share your mind, do whatever. And it sounds awesome, it sounds fun, it's warm, it's engaging. There's pleasure in the whole thing, but I want you to know it is just for a season. It's just for a season. The things that you did that once you grow out of it or mature, you realize that was 
a mistake. You went to the party. You got wasted. You got drunk. Things you wouldn't have not done in your sober mind. Now you are on a table. You're dancing. You're stripping before people that you never would have. Now you're in a physical fight with someone. Now you're in a bed with someone you never would have because you let your guard down. And all of a sudden, you didn't know in this digital age, people were recording you and taking pictures of you. You wake up with regret. You make the commitment, I don't want to do that anymore. But Monday morning rolls around after the weekend. You go to school, and all of a sudden, all 500, all 1,000 of your classmates and people across the county have already seen your image. I'm talking about where no remission is. I can give you story after story of teens throughout this world that have committed suicide after making a youthful indiscretion. But see, it's a different world now than it's ever been before. I'm talking this world is a place where there is no remission, no forgiveness. They'll use you for the moment and then when they're done with you, they'll throw you to the side and use you for humor or as a trophy. Hear me, young people. You better think twice before you send some immodest picture of you to that guy or to that girl. Because you are probably not, you're 13 years old. You're probably not going to be dating that person in the next five days. And you're willing, because they're pressuring you to give a picture of you in your underwear or nude or something like that. It's cra- I know this sounds crazy, but I'm telling you, there's 9-year-olds doing it. There's 11-year-olds doing it. We're living in a completely different world right now. And parents, we need to be on guard. And I would encourage you to download Teen Safe for your, uh, your children if your pastor is cool with it. Because you can monitor every text message your child's getting. This world's too crazy to let your child, which 90% of them, as we took a survey this past weekend, raise their hands, has access to Internet, and they don't have any filter accountability. You are allowing them to operate in a very dangerous, dark alley. You wouldn't let your baby girl go into the south side of Chicago by themselves at midnight. You wouldn't let your child go into the streets of New York. You wouldn't let them move around in East L.A. because you care for them. But I'm telling you, the Internet is ever more dangerous than any street in L.A. And your child has no filter, no accountability, no protection. And you say, well, I want want to help them, but, you know, they'll get mad at me. You're not their friend. You're their parent. You're their parent. I want to take care of my child. I got three children, and I I want to make sure I do everything to protect them because this world will never let them forget. And when they make a terrible decision, hear me, it's it's different than your day. Because in your day, you might make a bad decision. Some people find out, or maybe no one finds out about it, but maybe the ones that do, you deal with them face to face. But in the Internet world, they now, it's one against a thousand people. And now a thousand people are commenting. A thousand people are cascading them. A thousand people are infiltrating them. And they can't handle that kind of cyber bullyism, and now they're suicidal. I'm talking about where no remission is. Can we lift our hands for a moment? I'm going to hurry. God, I pray you speak to somebody right now in these next few moments, Jesus. Lord, I pray you talk to us. Lord, we need you in this hour. We are in the last days, God. The enemy is coming in like a flood. I pray your spirit would lift up a standard against it. In this very afternoon, I pray and ask in the name of Jesus, can we clap our hands to the Lord? Someone say where no remission is. This world will never let you forget. This world will never let you live it down. This world will store and file every error, every sin, everything in your world. I'm telling you, everything you saw about Donald Trump, it's been out there for years. And people sat on it until the day, the moment that it would work to their advantage against them. And vice versa with Hillary Clinton. That stuff's been out there for years. But at the moment, the time that someone wanted to go against them, when you have these two candidates as friends, but when there's a, some, something goes wrong and one's going one direction or the other, I'm not being political. I'm just making a principle stated fact. you got to be careful what you're doing in this world. It will never let you forget. And as much as this world is trying to say this is the good life, I promise you, when the moment comes and you offend them, hurt them, or you have no use for them, they'll hold up your past and they'll remind you of your sins and they'll remind you of your mistakes. 
Because this world, there's no remission. There's no forgiveness. And you're here today, and maybe none of those videos are leaked. Maybe none of those audio files are out, but I promise you this. The Bible says in Numbers 32, 23, be sure of this. Your sin will find you out. Every secret session you have on the internet watching pornography, the day will come. Your sin will find you out. You think you're safe. You think you're anonymous online, but your sin will find you out husband your wife is gonna find you out one day wife your husband's gonna find you out one day teenager your mom your dad's gonna find you out one day i'm telling you this world tries to invite you to this place called sin and pleasure but if you are not careful it will resurface it will remind you because this world is not here to forgive you let's clap our hands to the lord It's 11.50. What, what, are we, we okay? We okay? I, I made mention of this verse the other night in 2 Peter 1.10. you got to be diligent to make your calling, your election sure, absolute. you got to make a consecrated effort. I hope you know that this world is relentless. This world is rude. This world is mean. It's conniving. It will do anything it can to advance the next ream on the ladder. It will try to, 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 it will pass you by. It's not for you. It is against you. And this church here, as much as some people may try to rail on it and say things about it and say they're trying to control and dictate your life, I promise you this is the safest place in Salem. This is a sanctuary. This is a holy place. We've established where no remission is, but I want you to know where remission is. Leviticus 17.11, it says there is an atonement God has given for us. The word atonement means to cover. It is a covering. And the Bible says God has given you the blood to make a covering, to make an atonement for your soul. This world has no covering. It's trying to uncover everything about you. It wants you to expose yourself. It wants you to be full frontal. But I'm telling you, God has a covering for you. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and they were shamed and they were reminded of their past and their inability to cover themselves, God says, I can make a covering for you. Find me a sacrifice. Let there be a shedding of blood. And by the shedding of blood, there was enough covering over Adam and Eve's soul. In the days of Egypt and the slavery and when God's trying to liberate the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of the world. In Exodus chapter 12 and verse 13, Moses is talking to God and God says this, you need to find yourself a lamb, a spotless lamb, a perfect lamb, a pure lamb. And if you would slay that lamb and let there be a shedding of blood and you apply it to the post of your door in your home and you stay in that home and you remain in the proximity of that blood... And you stay under that covering. God says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. I'm telling you, we have a God here right now who was a perfect, sacred, spotless, pure lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. And he sees the blood on your life and he'll pass. This church, this building, let naysayers say what they may. Let them try to make fun of it. Let them mock it and say, you know, the church is a judgmental place. And they bring up my past and they say negative things about what I'm currently doing. Don't you forget that this church is not some brick and mortar that was bought and made with man's hands. The Bible, as it talks about Jesus Christ, he was the most poor individual. His parents were so poor that they had to borrow a room. Their parents were so poor that they had to sacrifice a dove, one of the most inexpensive uh, sacrifices as you possibly can have in the Old Testament. So poor was Jesus, he grew up without a home. So poor was Jesus that he had places to sleep just like the foxes. That was about the extent of it. So poor was Jesus, he would borrow a boat for travel. So poor was Jesus, he had to borrow a boy's lunch to feed others. So poor was Jesus that he had to borrow a donkey as he finally entered into the streets of Jerusalem. So poor was Jesus, he borrowed an upper room to have his last meal. So poor was Jesus 
that he had to borrow someone else's tomb to be buried in. But when it came to your soul and when it came to this church, Acts 20, 28 says, this is the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. This church is not on credit. This church is not on loan. Jesus purchased it with his blood. Are you thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ that makes an atonement for your soul? Come on, can we lift our hands? Can we lift our hands? Can we lift our voices in this place right now? Oh, the blood of Jesus that washes white as snow. I see a crimson stream of blood. It flows from Calvary. This is why you should stay in this church. It's his property bought with his blood, and his blood covers and protects those in it. You got to stay in the blood. You got to stay in the blood. That's what this church is all about. We didn't pre-script, pre-program what songs to sing and what to preach, but the Holy Ghost wants to encourage somebody here today. This place is covered and purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. You, the, the community, let them say whatever they want, but this is a safe haven. I know it may sound like it's fun at the bar. I know it may sound fun taking some meth, some crack or whatever, but I'm telling you the day will come. There you'll find out this world does not forgive people very easily. They hold grudges. They judge people. There's a hierarchy system there. But when you come into the church, we're one nation, one blood, neither male nor female, slave or free. We have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. This is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We've been baptized by one spirit into this body. Oh, I wish someone would be thankful that you're in a blood-bought church, that you're in a blood-covered church. Thank you for the church. I thank you for the church, Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 7, it's the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sins. And the Bible goes on to say in the book of Peter 1, 18 and 19, saying, look, you haven't been bought with corruptible things. You haven't been purchased with money and, and all this corruption, but you have been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You feel the enemy flooding in on you. You feel like the devil's attacking you. The Bible says in Revelation 12, 11, that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. You want to know what kind of place you're in right now? You are under the umbrella and the covering of the blood. I'm tired of hearing people say the church is judgmental. It's like you, you're misunderstanding what the church is about. Because if we were to pass this microphone around this room, you would hear story after story. You could look at me right now and draw conclusions. Well, that four-foot-nothing pocket-sized preacher thinks he's holy and better than me because he's got a suit and tie and a microphone. Well, you just need to dig into my past a little bit. And you'll find out I'm just a product of people's patience and God's grace. You pass this microphone around by someone that you think is pomp and prize and better than you, but you'll find out they came out of pornography. You'll find out that God put their marriage back together. You'll find out that they have a federal prison record, but God has redeemed them. And where the world would not give them a job, they now have placement in the church. Don't tell me the church... It's trying to push people out. Whosoever will, let them come. Let them taste and see that the Lord is good. In this room were people that were addicted to alcohol. In this room were people that were selling drugs in Salem. But I'm telling you right now, by the grace of God, by the blood of the Lamb, I am who I am. Where no remission is, it's in that world. It's in that world. But here, there's remission in this house. There's remission in this place. And if you're here, the Bible says in Acts 2.38 that we, when we first repent, we ask God for forgiveness and we turn away from our lives. And God gives us a space of grace and withholds judgment for that moment. But God's not just content with forgiving you. He wants to remit all your sins. See, there's some people, they'll forgive you, but they'll never forget what you did. You know what I'm talking about. 
you know, you're still friends, but they'll still bring it up. They'll still bring up your mistake. They'll still bring up your problem. Though you're still cordial and you function together and you have your laughs together. You see, God doesn't only forgive you. He remits. Their sins will I remember no more. And that's what Acts 2.38 is all about. Repent. Ask God for forgiveness. And not only that, everyone. Every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, why are you telling me to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? It is for the remission, the removal, the washing away of your sins. That is literally what the first preacher to the first, forget your tradition and your, your background. I'm telling you what the Bible says. The Bible says the baptism in the name of Jesus after repentance washes away your sins. The Apostle Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, who planted more churches than you could shake a stick at. When you look at an awesome epic figure like him, he shares his testimony in Acts 22 16. And the preacher says, hey, what are you waiting for? Why tarriest thou? Arise, wash away your sins in baptism calling on the name of the Lord. When you're baptized in name of Jesus Christ, he not only has forgiven you, but he's washed away the sins. Oh, though your sins were red as scarlet, he's now made them white as snow. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, God. God, I thank you for your blood. See, it's like this for you on a cheesy illustration, man. In my home, my mom, there's, there's two types of clothes. There's dress clothes and there's play clothes. And the dress clothes you don't play in. And the play clothes you don't go to a dress atmosphere in. That's just how it was in her home. And so there's times I have to wear nice clothes, and I go out. And I see my friends playing football. Hey, Mark, play. let's play some football. No, I can't. I got my dress. Chicken? What? And all of a sudden, I jump into the game with my, play, uh, my, my dress clothes, and I ran for 2,500 yards. I scored 29 touchdowns and three interceptions. I mean, it was the game of a lifetime. If it had not been for the Lord, I would have been pro. But by the grace of God. But I would go home after enjoying the pleasure of that season. And I walk in and I knew what I did and what was given to me was wrong. And all of a sudden I hear, mijo. Ay, ay, ay. And she would see me in my nice clothes, all grass stained up. And the wrath of my mom was about to come down. And I, Mom, I'm so sorry. Mom, I'm sorry. I'm really, I really, I won't do it again. I'm sorry. And if I was sincere, and I did it the way I was supposed to, sincerely, my mom would withhold the wrath. She'd give me a space of grace. And I'd be thankful for it. But I still had the stains on me. She had to put it in the wash. And that's our soul. I'm glad if you're here and you've asked God to forgive you of your sins. He's withheld that which was due to you. He's given you a space of grace. But he doesn't want to look at those stains anymore. He says, let's put them in the waters of baptism. Let's wash them. Let's remove them. Let's shout them out. Right? Come on, somebody. Amen? You know, in, in, in going back to Egypt, and that's a type of symbol of the world. And, and so God sent a preacher to Egypt, Moses, and Moses, by a mighty hand and outstretched arm, God miraculously pulled them out of 400 years of bondage, 400 years of being addicted to the ways of the world, the hardships of the world, and they were taken out of that. And we thank God that God took us out of alcohol. God took us out of our past and things like that. And God leads us, and we follow the preacher, man, and we're going. But the Bible says when they parked right there at that body of water, the Red Sea, and the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians, chapter 10 verses 1 through 3 it talks about the baptism of Moses of the cloud and the sea and the Bible as it says they were right there they were enjoying their liberty and freedom the scenic view is a wonderful moment but all of a sudden they heard the sound of chariots and horses and armors and they look back from where they came from and they see their past catching up with them 
ready to put them back where they were, ready to remind them of where they came from. See, some of you, you want to live for God, but you're afraid your past is going to come back and remind you of where you were because of that text and because of that video and call you a hypocrite. But God led you to that body of water, not to keep you there. But the Bible says Moses and the children of Israel went through that body of water. And when they came up on the other side, their past followed them into that water. But the walls of the water collapsed on them. And their past never resurfaced again. Their sins, their past, their bondage was remembered no more. When you go down in the waters of baptism in Jesus' name, your past was behind you, but you put it in there. You came out. They remained. Your sins, God, remembers no more. Is there anyone in this house right now? You've been baptized in Jesus' name. It's time to stand to your feet and thank God for the blood. Thank God for remission. Thank God for moving your sins. Oh, someone shout hallelujah. Come on, someone shout hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I'm just about done. You may be seated. It's 12.05. We're still alive. I'm going to hurry up. Ah, the Holy Ghost is here. And the next image we see in the Bible concerning baptism, Exodus chapter 38 and verse 8, we find this moment where Moses was preparing the tabernacle plan by God. And the first place was the altar. Oh, come to the altar. Come to the altar. You'll find the blood. You'll find forgiveness. And as they would slay that sacrifice there, after they would slay that sacrifice, the blood of the lamb, they would go to the next item, piece of furniture, which was a brazen laver. And as they would look at the brazen laver, Exodus 38 and 8 says the brazen laver was made of looking glasses or literally mirrors. When he would look into that body of water, he would see his reflection. He would see his imperfections. He would see his mistakes. But once he washed, in the water of the brazen labor. The water now took on the content of the blood and when he saw his image it was through the blood of the lamb. When you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, the blood has been applied. It's better than any Instagram filter. It is the blood of the lamb. You don't see your image. You see Christ's image. Oh, all things have passed away. All things have become new. I say in closing here today right now that I know this world is attractive. I know this world is alluring. I know that you're caught up in the activities of this world. You're enjoying the season of this world. But the day will come. You're going to wake up to a cold dark, stark reality that this world is not your friend. There's the kind of come the day when you're going to be too, too wrinkly for them to consider you pretty and useful. There's going to come a day and an age where you're not agile enough for you to be the highlight football star in this community. The day's going to come where someone's going to be smarter than you and funnier than you and more talented than you and the world is going to move on and you're going to be left with all your regrets and this world will not let you live down every indiscretion you've ever had as we stand together I'm telling you in this house in this place is the blood of the lamb there's no remission in this world but in this church we will forgive in this church God removes sins in this church we confess our faults one to another and we find unity we find togetherness we find camaraderie we find a brotherhood we find a peace that surpasses all understanding oh I wonder if there's someone in this house that is thankful that you found the church. You're thankful that you found the blood. You know what I found in this church? I found my wife in the church. I got my babies dedicated in the church. I found forgiveness in this church. Look, I, I wasn't qualified to lead or do anything, but when I got in the church and the blood covered me, God placed me. God brought me places I never dreamed of. I'm telling you, this, this church will take you places you never imagined. Don't let the world deceive you that this church is here to 
push its thumb down on you and keep you down and kick you out and hold you back and, and be legal, legalistic and try to dictate your world. I'm telling you, he who the Son has set free is free indeed. There's freedom in this church. There's liberty in this church. There's forgiveness in this church. If you're here right now, and you just need some, some past regrets washed away. Come to this altar. At this altar is forgiveness. If you're here and you've never been baptized before, you can be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You don't have to go through a 20-week course. You don't have to go through a 10-year program. I'm telling you, why tarriest thou? If you got a lot of your past haunting you, you can bury it in baptism today. The name of Jesus will wash it away, and your sins and iniquities will he remember no more. The blood of Jesus. And if you're here today, and you've been baptized in Jesus' name, you've been serving God for X amount of years, but your past, it still is bothering you. God brought you here today to remind you, I don't remember that no more. You don't have to keep going to pastor in a counseling session and say, well, you know, when I was 15 years old, I did this, and five years ago, I did that. And you say, and all he's going to try to tell you is, hey, did you talk to Jesus about it? Did you put it under the blood? You don't have to live and recycle and resurface your past. All things have passed away. God has spread them as far as the east is from the west. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. And if you're here today and you're struggling with this world, I'm, I'm trying to get your attention right now. You better sober up and realize this world won't let you live it down. Young person, the things that you're doing online right now, and we talked about it last night. We talked about Matt Youth Room. The amount of people that are struggling with pornography and sexting, it is it is unbelievable right now. I'm telling you, it is going to come back to hurt you. Because after that boy breaks up with you, after they move on from you, you are going to be the joke. You're going to be on display. They're going to spread that around. This world is not your friend. They'll never let you live that image down. But in this church, there's remission. There's forgiveness. There's washing. This altar is open right now to anyone that would like to come and stand under the blood of Jesus Christ and ask the blood of Jesus Christ to be applied to your life one more time. Oh, I see a crimson stream of blood. I see it right now. It's flowing from Calvary. It's waves which reach the throne of God. They're sweeping over me. Oh, I see it right now. I'm thankful for the blood. If you're living in the blood right now, why don't you just thank God for the blood a little while? Why don't you be thankful? Yeah, some people may try to bring up the past, but you're in the blood. You're in the blood. You overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb in the word of your testimony. Come on, these altars are open right now. You don't have to be afraid of this area. You're not going to be embarrassed in this altar. You're not going to be made fun of this altar. No one's going to expose you in this altar. Come on, as close as you can come. I know some people are trying to get closer. You can come close. You're not invading my space. Come on, lift up your voice. Come on, cry to Jesus. You don't need to look around. Just you and Jesus right now. Just you and Jesus right now. <laughs> 